All right, let's kick off hour two here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's Friday. That means it's time to party. Drink some White Claw Hard Seltzer to kick off your weekend tonight. The moment you get off work, find you a bar, find you a store, and stock up on some White Claw for the weekend. If you haven't tried their vodka yet, try their vodka. Find you some black cherry. The black cherry vodka is really good, too. It makes you a little Sprite in there, and you're good to go. Drink responsibly. But when you do drink, drink White Claw Hard Seltzer. Support the people who support us. All right, Sam, catch us up to speed on some things we might have missed from last night. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit by mentioning Mike Norvell as a candidate for that Florida State job. Uh, but the NCAA came down on Florida State last night, penalizing them. Uh, obviously, a, a little bit of an infraction there in terms of their NIL collective. Uh, some significant penalties for that Florida State football team. A two-year probation uh, and disassociating from their NIL collective for one season. Uh, violating rules on NIL as a recruiting inducement. So basically kind of just a, a tampering kind of type deal. Uh, Florida State assistant coach, their offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, is going to be suspended for three games because of his involvement. Uh, and the university also has to disassociate with a certain booster for three years as well. This kind of feels like, you know, kind of a domino that, that makes it easy for, for Mike Norvell to maybe get out of, out of Tallahassee and towards, towards Tuscaloosa, perhaps. Also, maybe make it tough on the guy who would take over for him. Like, yeah, if Dion absolutely. was going to get that job, absolutely. like, ah. Bob, do we know the ramifications of having to disassociate with the NIL? Does that mean players can't have contracts with them or just that the university can't promote and work and like be in lockstep with them? I think it's the latter. I think that um, you know what at least my understanding of how it works here uh, at Tennessee is there has to be kind of an endorsement from the university to support the NIL and so kind of like Rick Barnes doing the confidential and like doing stuff with the ball club and all that it's got to be vetted through the university although the university also keeps their hands off of it so to speak so um yeah th so this so in a situation like this you could argue that you know the institution itself Florida State University can kind of say hey we're we had no idea you know we we you know, we don't, we don't want to work with that collective anymore. You know, that's, that'll, that'll change things. Uh, so I think that that's, that's probably the approach here. It's, it's more kind of a separation of church and state, if you will, between the collectives and the, and the institution. Um, and, and so in this case, it's, it's really raining down on the collective, but then also the football program, which is an offshoot of the institution, but they can still, you know, institutional administration can still kind of say had no idea you know it's one of those deals like in big companies you and i have talked about it um we were both fans of the tv series succession and they touched on that a little bit in the opening season with uh kendall roy's character you know who was kind of operating as kind of operating as a junior ceo and he was there were things where he'd be like i don't want to know about it you don't tell me what's going on. Yeah. Uh, it's that type of thing. All right, next, what do you got for me, Sam? Coming up next, some NBA news. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder absolutely <laughs> destroyed the Portland Trailblazers last night. 139-77, to a 62-point victory. It was the fifth largest margin of victory in NBA history. Last night was just a night of blowouts in the NBA. It was a bad night for the association. You had... 
Celtics Bucks and Lakers Suns on you know your TV, TNT national games and both of those just dominated by the team that won the Bucks killed the Celtics and the Suns finally beat the Lakers this year. It was uh, it was kind of unprecedented last night. I was watching and you might have seen Ernie too. You know where they they actually dipped out of the Bucks game and said we'd like to take you to the Thunder game, but that one's got a. At that time, it was only a thirty-six point deficit. So then they ended up going to uh, the Knicks and whoever Knicks they, and Mavs, and that Mavs, one, yeah, that one was like a fifteen-point game. They ended up, you know, being I think a four-point margin. So yeah. at least that one was a competitive game. Speaking of Kendall Roy, do you do you think Jeremy Strong felt bad at the at the Golden Globes whenever he saw his three co-stars all get awards and he didn't? Do you think he lost again? Do you think he went back into the character of being betrayed and losing as as the, you know, McFadden wins Best Supporting Actor and, and Sarah Snook wins Best Actress and, and Kieran Culkin got Best Actor? Baby. I mean, he he got his flowers, wasn't it? Uh, was it the year before or was it the COVID year? He got Best Actor for, for Succession. He'd, he'd won, but I would argue he had maybe his best performance this year although i had predicted with my wife when mcfaden had that that one scene when we watched it in real time with sarah snook where they were basically burning their marriage to the ground out on the the patio i was like that's the emmy winning yeah exchange yeah. between those two that, Th- that was, felt like or golden globes in not case. not the same level but for the tv people out there not the same level but that was Gandolfini and um, what's her name? Carmela. What's her name? Edie, oh, Edie Falco. Yeah. Edie that Edie was Falco. them two inside the the boathouse when they're yelling at each other, and you're like, "That's an award moment right there." Right. Like, that's exactly kind of how that scene felt without without uh, McFadden having to kind of rough her up like Gandolfini did to, to <laughs> yes. Falco. But still, that well, you knew that at the time. So I was just wondering if uh, you thought Jeremy Strong was sad. I bet he was, but yeah. I don't know. His it was at least he lost to his. His colleagues, if it, were, if it were the case. I think that makes it worse, though. Yeah, maybe. Because just, just when you remember the reports from Succession about on set, like, they didn't really like him. Like, Brian Cox was always saying he's just a weirdo. Like, you don't have to do this whole method acting thing. Like, stop yeah. being weird. Just do your job. And, like, there was reports that, you know, him and Kieran Culkin didn't get along either. So, I, I, you know, you said your colleagues, but it almost makes it worse. Almost makes it worse when the annoying guy at work gets an award over you or somebody you don't like. <laughs> Brian Cox doesn't care at the end of the day. He's got all that McDonald's money. That Next uh, thing we missed? Uh, Some more news out of Philadelphia. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts spoke to the media yesterday in his press conference and said he hasn't thrown a football since he injured uh, that finger against the Giants in their 27-10 loss last Sunday. Uh, said Excuse he's not me? A, hold on, hold on. Excuse me? He said, he says he hasn't thrown a football all week? I have not attempted to throw since, he said. Obviously, leaving that game and attempting to go back in the game probably was not the best idea physically, not having much control over the things that I wanted to do, but time will tell with that decision. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts is, is not thrown a football all week in practice. Obviously, they've got one more, a couple extra days, I guess, of playing on Monday there. But, I mean, that's going to be a, a physical Tampa defense, and Todd Bowles is going to have those boys – you know, probably going right at Jalen Hurts, trying to trying to make him as uncomfortable as possible. Have we seen a team that's been in the Super Bowl in the previous year come back the next season and start to uh, kind of flicker and fade so badly like we're seeing Philadelphia? Have we seen one recently like that? 
Did Bruce Arians retire after they won the Super Bowl in Tampa, or did that get bad? Mm, that got bad I first. think it got bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he came to mind. Well, the Rams played pretty bad after they won the Super Bowl, didn't Yeah, they? yeah, but McVay obviously didn't. Nobody blamed him. It was just yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. hey, it's a hangover. Right. The roster's old. Stafford got hurt. And what yeah. do you expect whenever you've traded first-round picks? It wasn't. I don't think the Eagles have a talent issue. I think no. the Eagles have a coaching issue mixed in with, like, yeah, the defense isn't as good and the offensive line isn't quite as good. But I think when you look at Sirianni, if I was an Eagles fan, I'd have questions about him. Like, I know you lost both coordinators, bro, and that's tough. But at the same time, you lost both coordinators, and all of a sudden you don't look very good anymore. Were you, were you propped up by your coordinators? Yeah, and the Rams, back to that for a second, They, I felt like they kind of unloaded the gun to win the Super they Bowl. They knew it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. This, I agree with John. I mean, and and I am I was a big Sirianni fan, you know, came from the Colts and everything else. But uh, um, I the swagger he carried last year was was awesome when you're winning it you know it doesn't feel the same right now with that team there i it, when you say that about hurts sam i mean that boy i think about heavying up on tampa bay on sunday right. or monday they play monday night i guess from one perspective it does kind of make sense to not throw if you're letting your finger heal i guess like you don't want to like re-aggravate it when you have dislocations you know they could easily pop back out of place, so maybe it's just like, hey, don't throw for a week. You've thrown a football a million times. You know how to do it, so maybe just let it heal as much as possible. You'll throw on Monday. So maybe it makes sense practically, but just hearing it, I'm like, wait a second, what? This guy isn't gripping and throwing a football? Would Can I submit to coaches that made the Super Bowl that kind of fell apart? Can I submit your boy, Jim Caldwell, who went 14-2, oh, yeah. and two, Went to the Super Bowl, came back, went ten and six, and then of course the year. Then he had to be the be there, sucking for luck, and went two and fourteen. But you know he wasn't the same in Indianapolis no, after the Super Bowl. No, I agree. Um, probably a better coach than that, but yes, I agree. It, 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 the the numbers don't lie. Yeah, I think with Caldwell, like he was obviously propped up by Peyton Manning to an yeah. extent, but also like he didn't get any credit because of Peyton Manning and. And I think that ultimately hurt him because then, yeah, he went nine and seven and nine and seven in Detroit and got canned and haven't gotten another job. Even though people give him a lot of credit for developing quarterbacks, I will say, John, I think uh, worst case scenario for us would be uh, an Eagles first round exit and Howie Roseman gets gets mad and fires Sirianni and then just brings in Mike Vrabel to coach AJ <laughs> Brown again and go back with Kevin Byard and uh. win mil- multiple Super Bowls in, in Philly and make us sad. That'd be kind of funny, though. It would be funny. It would be kind of funny. I'd have to laugh at that if the Eagles did. Like, you know what? Sirianni isn't that guy. We got all these <laughs> options out here in terms of – because, I mean, like, when you look at the coaches actually available in the NFL, I mean, I know some of them are old. But, like, Pete Carroll has a Super Bowl. Obviously, Bill Belichick has a Super Bowl. You look at Jim Harbaugh, who doesn't have a Super Bowl ring, but has, you know, a Super Bowl appearance. Mike Vrabel – thought of as being, you know, um, uh, before the season, people are still calling him a superstar coach. Those are four pretty heavy-hitting names. Now, I think Carroll, I don't, you know, I, I don't think you'd hire him. I think he's done. But one of those other three, I mean, if you had a roster you're trying to get over the hump, like if the Eagles were to flame out, it would be tough to kind of look and say, hey, uh, we'll, we'll just run it back. Because, I mean, you can go get Bill Belichick. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Same for McCarthy in Dallas, man. I think he's under pressure at least yeah. to get into the conference championship. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is interesting that we 
that there are teams playing in the playoffs that their their jobs aren't necessarily safe. They've had a successful season to get to the playoffs, but they're still, you know, we know how Jerry Jones operates. I mean, if they if they if well, we're they talking about old guys, and Jerry Jones is pretty old and probably really wants to win a Super Bowl before exactly. he's done. Exactly. Do you think one of the coaches from the playoffs gets fired? I feel like every year it happens. Like somebody is a little bit of a shocker, and you're like, oh, wow, this team is making a statement by moving on. Do you see somebody getting fired from this weekend? Or maybe even wins this weekend, gets fired next weekend? I'm just sitting here thinking of the teams that are in it. Um, you know, the one who, uh, that, that won't get fired that I still think should get some consideration is Tomlin. Yeah. Um, I, it's It won't happen, though. You know, we've talked about Vrabel ball. We've talked about, you know, Pruitt ball in Knoxville and just yeah. grinding it out. Like, I know that Pittsburgh, that's part of their identity. And as a city, you know, Steel City, blue collar, hard hat. And that's how the Steelers try to play football. But, man, like, it has to be – it has to be dreadful just knowing that you're watching this team and – they're not going to actually be championship-level good, but they're not going to be bad enough to actually reset and get you some superstars like through the draft. And Tomlin is probably not going to win a playoff game this year either, I which would... I think will extend their streak. I don't think they've won a playoff game since 2016. Yeah. On the flip side of that, Bob, do you think Sean McDermott may be on the hot seat That's... if they lose to the Steelers? Yes, I was just going to say that, that if the Steelers somehow won that game, mm-hmm. then yeah, then I think we go back to the topic we discussed earlier in the week that Sean McDermott – might have his neck on the line yeah, at that point. 100%. I think, I think Tomlin. You know, I, I could see them parting ways or maybe trying to trade to him. But on the other hand, there's just so many openings that maybe you don't want to be competing. Like that's part of the thing with firing Vrabel that I don't really love is that you are now competing with like eight other teams. A quarter of the league is looking for a coach, and now you like you know you aren't the most appealing. So where do you fall in the pecking order of that? So like if you're the Steelers and you're Mike Tomlin, maybe you just run it back another year instead of being one of nine teams looking for a coach. and But the trio of McDermott and Sirianni and McCarthy, I think they have to win multiple playoff games for me to feel safe about them. Mostly McDermott and McCarthy. Although Sirianni, like if he loses this weekend, I could see that being like a 50-50 proposition. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with you on on McDermott and McCarthy. If McCarthy, particularly if McCarthy loses that first round game to a Green Bay team that's improving but is super young, one of the youngest in the league, um, they lose at home. If that happens, I I I would bet solid money McCarthy's gone. Uh, Sirianni, I think, would be too soon. But boy, it, it, if he loses in the first round and he does survive into next season the the pressure and heat will be so intense on him I, I i do think that mccarthy is gone if they lose to this packers team i just really haven't entertained the idea of them losing to the packers i think they're going to blow them out but like yeah the, that packers team 25 players born in the years 2000 or 2021 or 2001 excuse me not 2021 they don't have three-year-olds out there playing but uh they are the youngest team to make the playoffs in a non-strike season since 1982. So if you're McCarthy and you lose to a team for that, that's the youngest in 30 years, or excuse me, 40 years, I think you get canned. And that's another one we don't ever talk about. Um, I guess, I guess he got them to the playoffs and that's successful. But is Lafleur really the guy in Green Bay? 
I don't know. I think he did a good job with them this year and the way Jordan Love started playing. Yeah. I think LaFleur is pretty safe. Now, yeah. if you told me they could go out and hire a stud or you know get a Bill Belichick, maybe you make that move. But I think LaFleur has won a lot of games in Green Bay. And and this, you know, not to talk about Nick Saban again, but you know how everyone talked about his best coaching job ever. Doing it without Aaron Rodgers, he probably gets credit for this being his best coaching job ever when I tell you that the, it's the youngest team to make the playoffs in 40 years. Yeah, and I have to say I'm happy for him to have done it without Aaron Rodgers because I really believe Rodgers felt, you know, all their success was solely attributable to him. You know that has to hurt him, right? Yeah, exactly. You know that has to hurt him. Oh, he said he he talked to Jordan, and, you know, they talk all the time, and I'm sure he does, but I'm sure it pains him. Jordan does give him credit. Jordan Love does say Rodgers was really great with him as a mentor and stuff, which probably is because Brett Favre was so bad to Aaron Rodgers that Aaron Rodgers at least like, hey, I'm not going to – do this to the guy that's trying to replace me. I'll be better than that. All right, Sam, let's see what you got. Let's get a traffic update. People are headed to work to log into their 9 to 5. Now. I believe in it. you, Sam. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Good morning. Traffic's on the increase. Headed been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par well if i'm being honest that was me just a down i don't care i feel like you're messing with me at this point so i'm not even going to grade you that time (laughs) for the way you went into the break and and stopped it after three seconds i'm not even gonna it buffered i I mean it does sound like a bit at this point but i i feel like i've gotten screwed by the laptop twice today there are people one of them is my fault but i've gotten screwed by the laptop twice there are people trying to go to work they don't they don't have time for your bits of, of of not giving them the traffic they need to know where to avoid um, should I just do the traffic update? Like, there's going to be traffic out there on the highway wherever you go. Chances Maybe. are, if you are anywhere on I-40, either east or west, because every time I'm on I-40 east or west, there is traffic. That uh, that may be a new career for you because we will have a new producer next week. That's <laughs> Put that's, me up in the chopper. Well, <laughs> yeah, you'll be in the, the uh, Fan Run Radio uh Hovercraft. I'm just going to have Tucker come in and do his Commander Chuck impression and, and fire off a random traffic report and hope that works. Just get on Google Earth and just check traffic <laughs> that way. And just look up street addresses and, and see what they could find. I know those aren't necessarily live, but there's got to be a satellite at some point that you could check some things for traffic. I'm going to lose sleep over the traffic report this weekend. That's tough. Monday I'll come back with a vengeance, though. Hey, it's all right. Progress. We we didn't even play it the first four days, so yeah, now at least we figured out how to play it and get it on. So we, we are making progress. By week two, we'll be good to go. Trust the process. Trust the process. Did Nick Saban coin that phrase? I thought it was... Um, I thought that was old uh, Joel Embiid, wasn't it? Or? It was... Well, it was whoever was running the 76ers. Sam right? Hinkie? It was Hinkie. Well, okay. I, was, I was going to say, it wasn't Daryl Morey, but yeah, Hinkie. You're okay. right. That's what I associate with because, you know, it, it became so... Popular with them, and you know, it was a, almost a running joke because of how how bad they were on purpose. Uh, I know they called it the process and everything. I just didn't know if if that was the first time that kind of came into the lexicon. But all right, we'll give Joel Embiid and and Sam Hinkie credit for it. Trust the process. We had talked about coaches and you know the carousel and the playoffs a little bit. Uh, did did either one of you see how bad they made the Titans look in in the? Athletic piece yesterday on Amy Adams and the breakup with Mike Vrabel. 
And I did not. I saw the Tennesseans piece, which was rough, too. But. I didn't read the Tennessean one. I read the athletic one. And the athletic one was a collaborative effort, I believe, with Rex Road and, and Diana Rossini. Correct. Who, of that's, course, that's uh, national reporter and has good ties to the Titans. But I felt bad. I felt bad as a Titans fan reading it, Bob. Basically, it painted my owner as a vengeful woman. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it was that's basically the things they were writing about her was felt like they wouldn't have written it in the same way about a man. They made her seem like a vengeful woman and and basically said she gave Rabel the cold shoulder and it was done from the moment that that he went to New England during the bye week when he got inducted into the Ring of Honor. Like he went up there and during the bye week was sitting with Robert Kraft. But also had got on the field, I believe, either pregame or at halftime, I believe pregame, and gave a big speech about the organization to the fans and was saying, hey, New England fans, don't take this organization for granted. They're champions and they do things the right way. And trust me, it's not like that everywhere else. Well, then. To which people are like, well, does that mean the Titans? And they asked Vrabel about it. He was like, no, I was just saying they've won six Super Bowls, like blah, blah, blah. Which I don't think anything's on accident. No, I totally agree, and I and I mean, I'm I, look. I she needs to be bigger than that to like hold a grudge, but that would run all over me if if somebody that worked for me did that. It would hurt. Yeah, absolutely. It would, it would hurt if you went on and was talking with somebody about, hey, this morning show host here, he's great. You guys, you guys need to cherish what you have here. I'd be sitting over here like, wait a second, hold on, is Bob not like me? <laughs> And that would just be after a week, not not five and a half years, which, you know, Amy Adams and Mike Vrabel had had together. But the report, and maybe the worst part about it, was that it upset Amy, but she never talked to Mike Vrabel about it. They never addressed it. And it said that she just let it fester. Passive-aggressive behavior 101, right? Exactly. I mean, and, and, yeah. and that, to me, that's, that's bad ownership. That's bad leadership. And it painted her in a, I agree. a bad light. Like I said, made her look like uh, we've all been in those relationships with men or women where you're like, I have a problem with this person. But at that point, I'm already got a foot out the door. I'm not going to address this. I'll just let them deal with it or figure it out on their own. And then the breakup happens and it's over. And you're like, oh, well, this is why it was. Why didn't you say anything? I didn't need to. You should have known. That's essentially what Amy did to to Vrabel and said the relationship never recovered from him going to New England and, and praising the Patriots organization. Yeah. That's yeah, boy. Sounds like it was doomed, man. That's uh, I don't even know what to say. The he, most frustrating part to me is that he's like, Amy is like, well, we need someone who wants to be more collaborative and and you know working together yes. with everyone and being a visionary and like you not you having a problem with your head coach and then not telling him about it. That's not very collaborative to me. You know, like you're not giving him a chance. It seems like they were both pretty stubborn. Yeah, and like Vrabel never addressed it, and Vrabel. The report also talked about how Vrabel had never squashed the reports that he was unhappy and that he didn't have a good relationship with with Carthon, that he never came out and tried to put those to rest, and that they never addressed that in the inside the office either. Like Amy, nor Rand, nor Vrabel ever came out and said, hey, we're all on the same page, we're good here. It's just like they went to work and just ignored it and avoided it. But what I read, by all accounts, and maybe I misread, but didn't Carthon and Vrabel supposedly got along, right? Yeah, they said they got along like in in 
Rand even called him a friend in the press conference, but it it could be like, hey, we're we're cool, we like each other, but we're not talking business, and we're not yeah. we're not gonna like talk about the important things when we're together. But like, hey, yeah, we can dap each other up, and you know, ask you how your weekend was, or you know, talk ball, talk about things, and you know, be friendly. Right. Like, there's plenty of people that work here that like I would consider myself friendly with that have good working relationships, but we don't collaborate or we don't you know talk life or like you know if there's something we we're not, we're not addressing the big things. So like. The whole, hey, we're friends thing or we have a good relationship, that only matters so much, I think. And sure. there was a clear disconnect, and they said that it started it started with Vrabel telling Amy that he should that 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 Rand Carthon should be the assistant GM and not the main GM. During the search, he went to Amy and was like, Hey, I like this guy, but he's number three in San Francisco, so let's give him a promotion. Let's make him number two here, and let's keep my guy that's been with us. Let's make him the number one guy, and they can, we can all work together. And they said that Amy was offended by that and was basically like, you don't have, and, and, and at this point did tell Vrabel, you don't have the same amount of confidence in me that I have in you, apparently, and you're not trusting my decision on who I think should be the best. And they said basically that was the first domino that kind of just began the process of uh, the eroding relationship that now leads us to the Titans being – one of, I believe, eight teams now looking for a coach that has at least the second biggest question when it comes to ownership. Well, that's what I was going to say. So then that just becomes more of a red flag if you're anybody that's entertaining the Titans' job, right? Uh-huh. And, and you know, we talked about it with Saban in Alabama, right? Like the, the work environment. And it's a little bit different in Alabama, obviously, but you do have bosses and Saban will be your boss in a way and the fans will be your boss in a way and like you want to go into a good work environment and that might scare some people away from Alabama and Tennessee it might be something similar because everything that's came out the last couple weeks has just made her look bad and it's made your GM look a little bit toothless because he wasn't you know looped in on any of these decisions it was strictly an ownership decision which is fine but whenever you don't have confidence in that owner, it does look like there would be maybe more appealing destinations you could go to. So uh, not a good piece for Titans fans. And now it's going to get worse when Mike Vrabel goes to the Eagles and coaches A.J. Brown. <laughs> Although it does look like Mike Vrabel is not going to get his his wish to yeah. be uh, hired by the Patriots and reunited with Robert Kraft. Everything is pointing to Gerard Mayo getting really? that job. Yeah, Ian Rappaport said basically – the deal's in place. Diana Rossini said it's basically at the finish line, that they're going to go ahead with the plan they've had for the last you know, two years, which is Gerard Mayo is the successor to Bill Belichick. They have it in his contract already, You know the succession plan, and I guess Kraft feels loyalty to him, and they don't want to do him dirty. So like Vrabel comes available, hey, I, I do love you, Vrabel, and you have experience as a head coach, but kind of already told this guy he's up next, and we don't want to – turn our back on one of our guys. So it does look like they're going to follow through with the plan, uh, according to the last reports, that Gerard Mayo will be the next coach of the Patriots. Maybe get a little magic like uh, Houston got with D'Amico Ryans, you know, yeah. like a younger former player. Um, I mean, Vrabel is a former player too, but. Not like, yeah, not, uh, much further removed right, down the line. Right, right, I feel like Vrabel's going to box out Antonio Pierce for that Raiders job, maybe if, if Harbaugh doesn't go there. Perhaps I do think it, it seems like a fit, kind of. It does, it does. And is Vrabel considered a star? Because everyone keeps saying like Mark Davis wants a star. Would Vrabel constitute as a star? 
I think so, maybe. You like pair a defensive guy like him with like Max Crosby. I think that would be kind of his next sort of Jeffrey Simmons like type of guy to be able to to kind of bring under his wing, maybe. The thing is, with every opening, obviously besides Tennessee, I see Vrabel being a potential fit just because his competition's either unproven as coordinators or old. True. And, you know, not age-shaming, but hiring, if you're a re- chances are if you're hiring a coach right now, you're somewhat rebuilding. Maybe not the Chargers. Maybe they're the best equipped to win now. But everyone else is kind of rebuilding, right? Picking in the top of the draft, looking either for a quarterback or uh, looking to just fill out a roster altogether. It's harder to hire a 70-year-old guy to do that than it would be to hire a 50-year-old that's, you know, right in his prime. And especially when you had Belichick kind of admit, like, hey, yeah, I wasn't as sharp as I was at 62. You know, I can't really stay on top of things the way I did with the roster and personnel and everything. And he kind of, you know, was equating, you know, talking about that in terms of why they slipped in in New England. So, like, it wasn't necessarily a glowing endorsement for how many years you think Belichick might have left. So, yeah, Vrabel might be the number one candidate because, like I said, he's proven but also young. Mm-hmm. Out of all those open jobs, are we of the mind that, well, Tennessee may be in this mix too, but Carolina is obviously the, the least attractive. I, I don't see a name coach going there. That's a coordinator one for sure. That's I don't see – anybody even coming close to being as big of a train wreck as Carolina. Like, to yeah. me, it's a huge it's, – it's basically um, Urban Meyer to Tommy Reese in terms of the gulf of how – the quality I feel like the jobs are. Yeah. Because Carolina has a bad owner that no one likes working for. They have a quarterback that you don't necessarily feel good about. Now, maybe you're not really to give up on him, right? Like, if you're a coach, maybe you're like, hey, yeah, there's enough here that maybe we can salvage him. We're, we're not ready to get rid of him. He's not Josh Rosen, right, where you go there and you draft somebody to replace him after one year. I think Bryce gets another year. But also, if you did want to draft somebody to replace him, you don't even have your first-round pick <laughs> because it's the number one pick going to Chicago. So, yeah, to me, they're by far in the worst position they don't have any receiving help. I don't know what their cap space is like. I assume that it's not an expensive roster. But, yeah, to me, they're by far the worst. And uh, I am offended that you would say Tennessee might be in a similar. But I don't, I, it's I don't, a huge gulf. I don't know if it's a huge gulf. But, it's. I mean, they're not. They're yeah. certainly not as bad as Carolina. At least we got uh, our Carolina. pick. We got breaking our... news, boys. Gerard Mayo has been hired as oh. the Patriots head coach. Okay, so it's official. Yes. Good timing, boss. <laughs> that would have been really awkward if we did this segment. You're like, actually, Mike Vrabel <laughs> is going to New England. <laughs> All right, so Mayo has gotten the yes, job. just got announced four minutes ago by Schefter. Obviously a Tennessee Vol legend. I mean, I think to our generation, uh, my generation, I view him as a legend. And I want him to succeed. I don't like the Patriots, but maybe I like the Patriots more now or dislike the Patriots less. I'm excited for him. He gets his chance. I don't know if he's set up for success or not, though. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a one-year fix, I think. You know, I, I think they kind of took him knowing that it's going to be probably a, a two- or three-year get-back-into-it type well, of deal. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how far New England was off this year. Like, I think their defense kicker good. I think their kicker was bad and cost them some games, but, like, I think their defense was good. And keep in mind, they lost maybe their two best defensive players. Yeah, yeah. In Judon and, and, and Christian Wilk. Is it Wilkins or Watson? What's the the cornerback's name from? Um, Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez, yes. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, they lost both of those guys early in the season, but the defense stayed and they were still pretty competitive. If they fix the quarterback position, maybe need weapons too. Yeah. Need weapons, but yeah. like, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know how far they are from being like eight and nine, yeah, nine yeah, and eight, true. like, and at least having a little bit of a, a swing upwards. You talk about Carolina though, just to kind of put a bow on this conversation. Yeah, like the only way I think they could hire a name is if they gave him complete control. Yeah. So, like, if you are someone like Jim Harbaugh, for example, and Tepper was like, hey, here's – he's got money to spend. Hey, here's $20 million a year. You have complete control of this organization and the roster, and you're, you're the GM. You do everything. And it's here's a six- or seven-year deal. We're not going to fire you. There's no pressure. Like, maybe that would be interesting to Harbaugh because he's he's proven, but he's not at that age where he's too old to, like, do a complete rebuild. He's only, like, 60. Like, that's he's he's got six or seven years of – working hard and doing his thing and putting his imprint on it. So I could see it making sense for him there to be able to kind of mold and do everything his way. And, yeah, you don't have a first-round pick this year, but chances are you're going to suck next year. So if, if Bryce Young's not good, maybe then you can get your quarterback and then put things in place. That's the only name I see taking that job. Do do either of you remember what they got in return for Christian McCaffrey? They got a bunch of second- and third-round picks, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's just, uh, to me, again, that was like just a – I, I, and I'm guessing they would have lost him ultimately, and I'm, I'm sure that's what motivated the move. I just still think that was an unfor- that's where That's where the spiral began, in my opinion. I mean, that you had one franchise player. I guess, I guess they do on defense with, uh, is it Burns? Brian Burns, yeah. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I, I just I, – what a, what a wreck. They got a, a 2023 a uh, second, third, and fourth, and then a 2024 fifth-round pick. So, yeah, I mean, you got four picks, and, you know, a second and third round are considered, you know, premier picks whenever you knew you were going to be bad like I don't I don't have an issue with them trading McCaffrey just because they weren't going anywhere and you don't want to pay a running back 18 million dollars not to go anywhere and like if you knew you're going to be bad at least get some picks to try to like get some cheap young talent but on the other hand you didn't maybe have to trade DJ Moore that to me that was a more egregious trade like right. letting Christian McCaffrey go that's one thing because you know, you can even argue about the philosophy of paying running backs in general. But, like, to trade DJ Moore, who I think is a top 20-ish receiver, like, I think he's right there somewhere between 15 and 20, to tr- maybe even higher to some people. But to, to trade him in a pick to get the number one pick, who you're going to then make your franchise quarterback, and then you're going to make him play with his best receiver being Adam Thielen, was really, really, really dumb. Because I think yeah. DJ Moore would have made Bryce Young look better. So that just didn't make any sense to me. Like they got completely, as Russell says, bent over a barrel there to in that trade. They got absolutely fleeced and taken advantage of. And the McCaffrey trade was bad, but the DJ Moore one was is even worse as far as I was concerned. Yeah. So it's it that's a uh that that's beyond a rebuild at this point. I mean, that's gonna take yeah. years yeah. to recover from. So I think it'd be a situation, like I said, where you, you give someone like Harbaugh just complete control of the franchise and say, here. Yeah. Here's your baby. You can make it your thing. Otherwise, you're just going to hire a coordinator or a retread that isn't going to get a job otherwise. All right, let's go to break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Oh, we are so close to the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We can put the coaching talk to bed for a little bit, but congratulations to Gerard Mayo. It's going to be cool to have a, a Vol as a head coach. 
in the NFL. Going to root for the Patriots' success. I want him to do well. But we actually we have actual games that matter coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow. And Sunday. And Monday. And then Monday. <laughs> Where do we want to start here with the NFL playoffs? Do we want to just look at the weekend as a whole? Is there a game in particular? Where is your attention at, Bob, when it comes to this weekend? The game I'm – well, I'm going to take it day by day. I'd say Saturday the game I'm most in, interested in is the Saturday night game, uh, Miami at Kansas City. Just because on paper, if you didn't factor in what's been going on the last couple of weeks of the regular season, that, that just feels like such a marquee matchup. It's really not that attractive a matchup right now, you know, because Miami's limping, truly limping into this game. Kansas City's – been a bit of a shell of who they've been over the past few years. Travis Kelsey, by the way, says he is not planning on retiring and wants to keep playing, is what he said now. We'll see how he feels in the offseason, but says he's still got some more years left in him. I, I thought he might hang it up, but apparently not. Yeah, it's what? Weather's going to be a factor there. It's going to be cold as hell. It's like negative 30, right? It's on like the wind chill or something crazy yeah. like Top that. Top three coldest games, apparently, in NFL history yeah. right now. Kansas City, the fans there, they'll have their cardboard they stand on. Whenever I went there for a cold game, they're like, hey, get you a pizza box to stand on. Basically having the cardboard between the, the concrete, they say, makes all the difference in the world when it comes to like keeping your feet warm. So they'll have their pizza boxes. They'll have their. <laughs> I was walking in. I was like, why the hell do you guys all have cardboard? And they're looking at us like, oh, you idiots. Like, yeah, you're going to freeze. You got to have some cardboard to stand on, they said. And I was like, all right. Do they sit on it? Yeah, I was going to say, well, you sit on that. Well, I think. They don't sit. It's, well, they might in this game. But yeah, that one was a big time playoff game. So yeah, they're like, we're, we're going to stand for most of the game. So that's fine. But yeah, maybe, maybe they'll sit a bit in this one just because it's uh, the first round and. <laughs> Maybe they don't have the same amount of uh, enthusiasm as they've had in the past. It's going to be really, really, really cold, yeah. which is bad for Dolphins quarterback Tua as he has played in games under 45 degrees. So not negative 30 on the wind chill, not, not 10 degrees or whatever it's supposed to be. This is just under 45 degrees, which, hell, I'll go outside in a short sleeve or a, just a nice little thin long sleeve shirt right now under 45 degrees and feel pretty good. Tua can't even play outside right now. He is 0 for 4 with a 55.5% completion percentage, a 71.8 passer rating, and a four touchdown to five interception ratio in games under 45 degrees. And I told you this one's going to be one of the three coldest games of what you say, all time? Yeah, yeah. That, that should scare you, I guess, if you are a Dolphins supporter. All of your fears about the warm weather offense and your quarterback being warm weather, not only are they being met, it's almost worse than you could even imagine with the weather you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, and the defense is hobbled. Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Andrew Van Ginkle, Baker, all their primary defensive players, at least in the front seven, are, are out. And Jalen Waddle, they he practiced the other day, but I mean, again, he's still questionable. Um, it, it just doesn't shape up well for Miami. They've got the Chiefs, I think, minus four. Uh, uh, last I saw, it had gone up to five. Well, it should. I mean, I, I think it, it four felt generous uh, to the Dolphins, quite honestly. Um, I think that uh, I don't know. I, I, th- that said, the Chiefs have to show us something. They have. Uh, it's been it's been tough sledding for them recently, and uh, maybe this is the game where they get it right. They they need to. 
See, I, I'm having a hard time laying five points with the Chiefs against almost anybody. Like, I mean, they barely they struggled with Jake Browning and a Bengals team, you know, just a couple weeks ago. Like, I know the Dolphins are banged up. I know they are. I know Tua can't play in the cold. But, you know, kind of what I said with Jordan, all week long I've been going back to just I think Miami would be better off trying to run the ball more. Trying to run the ball and keeping the ball out of Tua's hands and just maybe opening up – you know, run the ball 30, 35 times, and, like, the only passes two are hitting are the play action, deeper shots, or play action, you know, pop across the middle. Like, I don't want to have thrown the ball a bunch. I want them trying to run it. And, you know, get A-Chan out there if he's healthy and, and have Mostert back, who's going to be back. And I don't know if he'll be 100%, but just let those running backs try to carry you. That's where I keep coming back into this game. And I, the Chiefs aren't necessarily built to run away from anybody. Yeah. Like, th- this game, like – I would be surprised if the Chiefs scored more than 21 points, which is crazy, obviously, with what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have been during this run. But I just don't know if the offense has any pop left. 21 points would seem like a big deal for them at this point. This is kind of a a show-me game for McDaniel, too. I mean, if if somehow they could persevere and, and maybe win this game with all the adversity they're facing, I don't see it happening, but... That would uh, maybe change the narrative a little bit on McDaniel because we've talked about this. He's a little, you know, he's a character. He's uh, great sound bites, all these other things, but, you know, still has not won many meaningful games yet. This is as meaningful as it gets for him right now. Do you think he gets a pass because his team is so banged up, though? Oh, I think he gets a pass. Yeah. I just I just think it would add to the reputation for him of... They would have gone a whole season without beating anybody. Correct. Correct. They, they, would, have, they would have played... 18 games, and their best win would still be a two-point win against Dallas. Right. And that would be their only win. Their second-best win would be uh, scrolling through their second-best win, I, I guess, is a 70-20 to 20 win over Denver. The, but like, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, good for you. You rang up 70 points. That's that's amazing. But, again, it's, you know, get score 40 against a, an elite team. The Patriots had more wins over 500 teams this year than the Dolphins. I only just score 40, just beat an elite team and, and like yeah. win a game that matters. You did it against Dallas, but like, I, if I tell you that I think the Chiefs are only going to score 21 points, you're an offensive guy. You got to find a way to get that. Like, there's some, there's there's some stakes here. There's some pressure here. So you got to be able to find 24 points. If not, I mean, I know they're not going to move on from Tua. But to me, the conversation more around Tua than McDaniel for me changes. Like, because at times Tua looked like, you know, he was top three, top four in MVP. And you're like, hey, him in this offense, it's perfect for him. He can master the timing and blah, blah, blah. If you go here and you can't can't beat this Chiefs team and get over the hump this year, when you're a little bit all in, like the Dolphins, it's not like they have a a bright future in the sense of they got a bunch of young, cheap players. Like they got a lot of older guys and guys who are gonna get Paid more, like eventually Tyree Kill and and Jalen Ramsey, like those large salaries are. And you're going to have to give Tua a big extension, like and and Waddle's going to want to get paid, and your defensive guys, like this is kind of I don't want to say now or never, but the Dolphins, if they get past this test, probably feel like they have a chance to make some noise, but they got to get by this test first. All right, go to Sunday. What do you got on Sunday for me? Just looking at these, I. Rams at Detroit. It's it's yeah. like a, a no-brainer. Um, 
Although I do think we spent some time talking a little bit about the coaching situation with Dallas earlier in the show. And I think Dallas and Green Bay, I think Dallas wins. I think that's going to be a shootout, though. I, I do think Green Bay is going to score some points in that. But I like the over in both of those games between the Packers, Cowboys, and the Rams, Lions. Both of them are hovering around 50, 51. That's high for a playoff game, but I just don't see the Packers stopping the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to score at least like 31 themselves. I think, you know, the Packers can get into the 20s. I think that's an over. And then, yeah, Rams-Lions should just be a track meet, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, both defenses are pretty bad, and both offenses going to have something to prove, right? Between Sean McVay wanting to prove he's still got it, and Jared Goff wanting to prove he's got it. Like, I think that's going to be an absolute track meet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we've talked about the revenge game for Stafford coming back. And, it, you know, it's, although he wanted out. but it's So it's probably more of a revenge game for Goff, if anyone. But um, I, I agree. I think that that, that, has the, that has the potential, to me, to be in the most entertaining game of the whole weekend. Um, I have not a lot of interest in that Monday night game, to be perfectly honest. I'll watch it because it's a Monday night game, but um, – I, Eagles at Tampa Bay just doesn't do much for me. No, no, I, I agree with that in terms of the actual like on the field product, but I am interested in the fallout of it if the Eagles lose. Like, I, I want to root against the Eagles, I, I, but I don't really like Baker Mayfield, so I don't want him to win. So I, it's a kind of a throwaway game for me, and I think it's almost like Monday night has almost became the go-to for the second worst game of the weekend. Maybe not the worst game. The worst game is still that first slot with the Browns and Texans. That's Whoa. always Well, I just mean like that's like the not not the actual worst game, but like the least appealing okay. game. Okay. Like whenever you're talking about like ratings sure, and like sure, sure. you know, matchups. Like the every time the Texans make the playoffs, they play in that slot. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's where they put the Texans. I think there's some great storylines in that game though. Oh uh, you no. Know? That that actual game is probably at least the at least the third game I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's above the Eagles and Bucks. It's, to me, the worst game is probably Bill Steelers. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, but I I do want to see uh, Flacco. I do want to see Stroud. I do want to watch that. But yeah, like it feels like the Monday night game to me. They kind of just throw that. It's like the second worst almost. Yeah. Sam, do you have Peacock? I do have Peacock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking on you, man. Yep. Sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I appreciate saw a Kansas City. I call. I saw a Kansas City Chiefs player was giving away subscriptions to fans on X. Really? Because really? he's like, this is so stupid that this game is on here. So like, hit me up and I'll give away X amount of them. Like to make sure you guys can watch the game. And again, call the older people in your life. Call the boomers in your life, both young and old. Because, you know, Bob was doing a good job of checking on our boomer here, Sam, make sure he had Peacock ready to go. <laughs> no, I mean, and it's pretty well chronicled. I mean, this is a big gamble for NBC. I understand the, the logic behind it, but uh-huh. um, they're they're going to leave revenue on the table by putting this on Peacock. And, you know, that's, that's fine. They're trying to build their streaming business. I get the, the notion, but... Um, in this world of here and now in the media industry, it's uh, it's it's been pretty pretty criticized too. But how many people actually hang around? Yeah, when they when they sign up because like there's not going to be a game next weekend, right? That's the Peacock exclusive. You know, how many people hang around because does does Peacock even have anything like in terms of original programming? I, I guess they got what the Poker Face Show. I think oh is, they do. They have is a somewhat uh, as seen on TV that okay. one with. Um, 
Because uh, I've never checked Haley out. Cuoco. I've never checked out any Peacock exclusive stuff other the, than like the WWE Network. No, it's, they've got some there. good stuff. I think the other thing that happens with all these streamers, and I kind of lived through a little bit of it uh, before I left Discovery, was there is a built-in confidence that a lot of people will subscribe and then forget about it. Is that the hope? You just get somebody to put their card information in, and the yeah. next thing you know, they've been charged for a year? Absolutely. That's what I feel like it is. Like I don't know if anybody's going to watch this playoff game, and it ends, and they're like, all right, let's scroll on Peacock and see what I can watch for the rest of the yeah. night. You know? Yeah, I know but that's what the athletic tries to do by getting you the, the <laughs> dollar or $2 uh, subscription, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're going to hit you with the... 72? Yeah. yeah. They got poor Jimmy Himes. He's like, they've been charging me for years. <laughs> I didn't know. He's like, be careful. Yeah. And everyone's like, welcome to the subscription service industry. You, yeah, you got to be you got to be pretty shrewd to to churn out of this stuff because if you've got a bunch of them it's a lot to keep track of and so. obviously i know it helps to have more users if they were trying to sell or do a merger or something the more people whose information oh, yeah. they have the better and I, I get that side of it but when you talk about the advertising dollars they could lose by not having it on just you know that's called nbc P- that's called pid john personal personally identifiable data that's like that's the holy grail now in the business that's that's, so that's worth more than the millions of advertising dollars. That's, that's worth well, more. it helps. It helps build on that. Okay, that's the whole thing. Yeah. So, PID. PID. Noted. Yeah. Time for a B R E A K. <laughs> hour two is in the book. We'll kick off our last hour of the week coming up after the break. Some Tennessee basketball talk. Stick with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.